What's up, everyone? Welcome back to this episode. Today, I have a really special guest, someone I've had the pleasure of working with in my days during real estate. Moises, welcome. Introduce yourself. Hey, guys. My name is Moises Nchaya. Uh, like Alyssa mentioned, we worked together in real estate not that long ago, even though it feels like centuries ago. And I've been a real estate agent for two and a half years in New York City on the residential side. And right now, my license is not active. Uh, I'll get more into that. But I enjoyed being a real estate agent for two and a half years. And I can definitely give some insight into anyone who wants to become a real estate agent or someone who's just interested in what it takes to be a real estate agent, what's the lifestyle like, and how they can become that. Cool. So So this is kind of like an off-brand topic for me because like a lot of what I talk about on my podcast isn't really... I mean, I've had guests on my show who were entrepreneurs and I don't really talk about business-y, like real estate-ish or like business-y, financial-y type stuff on my podcast. Um, so, and for those of you who don't know, I worked in real estate, not as a real estate agent, but as an administrative assistant. And I went into real estate thinking that I wanted to become a real estate agent, which now I look back on and I'm like, thank God I didn't because it's, there's just so much tea and like things behind the scenes that people don't really know about. And like in one of my earlier episodes, I made a joke saying like, oh, stay tuned next time so you can hear my episode on how I got fired from real estate, which we will get into. But Moises, like I want to know how exactly did you get into real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So It definitely wasn't something I dreamed of as a little kid to be a real estate agent. Uh, Normally, when people think of real estate agents, especially us, because we live in the suburbs of New Jersey, well, you live in Jersey City, um, you know, you think of the average real estate agent as like the retired mom, uh, the Coldwell banker, nothing really like sexy or lucrative. And uh, I never thought about real estate. I come from a family of pharmacists. Both my parents are pharmacists. So everything was healthcare. And Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be like a physical therapist or something like that, even though I barely work out, but I like to like play sports. (laughs) I don't know how that works, but, but it did. But, um, yeah, so it was my freshman year at Montclair state. Uh, like I mentioned, like my parents had like a strong emphasis of like, Oh, you should do something in the health field. And I know I didn't want to be a pharmacist because I would shadow them. And I thought it was so boring and I hate math. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, okay, I'll do physical therapy. Well, long story short, I failed miserably my first semester at Montclair State. I had like a 1.9 GPA and my school counselor was like, okay, you're on academic probation. You're kicked out of the program because I was in exercise science for physical therapy. Um, He's like, you're kicked out of the program. You can reapply in the following year. um, Or maybe you can think about switching your career. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I'm such a failure. So, like, there's a couple of months where, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. All in the in in the in the grand scheme of things, uh, I've always had a connection with New York City, being that my mom is originally from Brooklyn and my grandparents were uh, property uh, owners in in Brooklyn. They have their own uh, hardware store in Brooklyn Heights. They also own, uh, you know, different brownstones in Brooklyn, renting them out as landlords. So I always liked that aspect of real estate, like New York. Like I've loved New York growing growing up as a child. Like my brother hates New York. Like I could spend an hour waiting to get into Lincoln Tunnel. And like, I don't care. Like I was like the little boy that was just so excited to, you know, climb rocks in Central Park or, you know, going to Coney Island and seeing the aquarium. So one day, uh, I actually had a guest speaker come into Montclair State, and they were these real estate developers from Jersey City with the Silverstein properties. And there were these two brothers who talked about like the same thing, how they like you know didn't know what the hell they wanted to do in college, and uh, they started to get into the commercial real estate 
um, you know, field and they made it big at being like 21, 23 years old. And I said, wow, like I never thought of real estate as a career. I only thought of it as like, you know, like we we're saying, like the mom that's retired and just needs a job or is bored, you know? So I was like, okay, I really want to get into real estate. So I did my first internship in New York City for this company called The Wim Group. And they bought out a lot of distressed properties in New Jersey, Philadelphia, Virginia. And pretty much what I did was I was their marketing intern where I would like help like customize the, you know, website and also send out mailers similar to like what you did yeah. at, uh, at our real estate company. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got my feet wet. And then I decided uh, I wanted to go get my real estate license and I went to the New York real estate school in uh, the Garmin district. Uh, normally it takes about, I would say a month to do it, but I was really keen on getting it right away. So I actually completed it in two weeks. Um, so that was great. And I, you know, found the firm that I want to work with. I actually interned with Nest Seekers International, the original brokers that Ryan Serhant, the star for million dollar listing worked at. And I literally would email all these brokers and be like, Hey, you should hire me as your intern. And I had this one guy that was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll let you like shadow me. And I did that for a couple months. And then, like I mentioned, a couple uh, months later, I got my real estate license at 21 years old. So that was, wow. feels like so long ago, but <laughs> you know, it was, it was definitely an experience. And, uh, when I first got into it, it was like, I didn't know what to do. I remember my first day, like I go to the office, it was in the West village on uh, Christopher street. It was like in a little brownstone on the first floor. And I go in the, the broker there is like, Hey, like introducing me to him. And then he shows me where I could sit to work on my computer. And he gave me my, uh, little business cards and everything. And I looked at him and I was like, how do I get started? And he looked at me and he laughed. And he gave me this list of buildings in New York City that allows brokers to show them for, uh, they would pay pretty much brokers to show their apartments calling like, uh, they're, they're no fee apartments, but meaning, meaning the no fee means that the building would pay the real estate agent to bring a client, usually one month's rent. Uh, and he gave me that list and he was like, start posing advertisements. And that's how I started. I did stuff on naked apartments and, uh, Facebook and on Instagram and just trying to tell people like, Hey guys, I'm a real estate agent. And, um, yeah, you know, but I didn't make money right away. So (laughs) it was definitely a learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of crazy how you were kind of just like thrown off ship and it was either sink or swim mentality. Like you got into the office first day and it's like, what do you mean? Where do I start? Like, here's the list, go do what you have to do. Um, which was something that like when I came to the company where we both met, like that was the type of environment that I was subject to. It's like, here, here's your work, go figure it out on your own. Like there, there's no time, like we can't afford time to address your questions. Like you have to figure this out on your own, which was like, you already know how stressful that was for me. And I was like, <laughs> so stressful. <laughs> but I I don't know. Like when I, my whole mentality coming into real estate or even applying to be in real estate was I was under this preconceived notion that real estate is this lucrative money making business, like meaning that it's like easy money. Like you could just do it and you'll be guaranteed like so much money. And it's like, you see million dollar listings where these real estate agents are just so like rich and everything. And so you're under that assumption. And so that's, that's what I came in thinking like, Oh, I'm going to get into real estate and get loaded off of this. (laughs) But then like, as I continued to work with you, I started to realize that that was not the case at all. It takes a lot of blood, sweat and tears to even, you know, 
make it that big in real estate or just make a lot of money off of real estate. But, um, bro, it was the place where we worked at. Like, it still haunts me in my sleep. It traumatizes me so deeply because there were so many situations in the job where we worked where there was definitely toxic work culture. And I felt like energy in the office was just really cold and everyone is just competing against one another and not really friendly at all. Like, how did you feel? Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, when I first got into the business, like, like you almost mentioned, like, you know, when you were thrown into it, that's how I was, you know, I thought someone yeah. was going to hold my hand and be like, okay, sweetie, like, this is what you do. But, yeah, you know, no one, no orientation. one did that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I remember when I first got in, like I said, um, I really didn't know what to do. Like, I was lucky that Nest Seekers allowed me to post free listings. I want to say free, but like no fee rentals on their uh, listing on their listing website. You know, normally most brokerages aren't allowed to do that, but Nest Seekers did. And that was a good thing for a lot of newer agents because like we didn't have to pay any Zillow fees or anything like that. Anything that was no fee rental, I would post. So that's what I would do. Like they taught us like how to like, you know, post all these advertisements, what words to use and stuff like that. But I never had that good mentorship. And that's really what I wanted because not that I wanted someone to hold my hand, but I wanted to learn from someone. And, you know, there's one thing about being a real estate agent is that you have to know what you're talking about. Like you could dress up the part, you could try and, you know, show all these million dollar, you know, listings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you know, Clients are going to smell BS a mile away. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, this business is is eat or be eaten. Yeah. And I remember when I got my first buyer lead, I really wanted someone in the office to help me. And what happened was everyone in the office just wanted to take my deal away and was like, okay, I'll give you like 10% and I'll help you on it like as your first deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm okay like giving some of my commission up, but like I want someone to teach me like let's let's join for forces like why should i get penalized you know like i made the connection i'm the person who brought the buyer to these uh apartments like and i i felt i don't want to say stingy but i felt stingy because you know i felt like i worked hard and i just wanted someone yeah. to help me out with the extra process mm-hmm. you know even if i had to pay like you know some money towards it you know but not to yeah. steal my whole commission but that's how people are this business is very stingy uh, there's definitely no loyalty. I've had even in my previous office, some of my colleagues like stealing other people's listings or other people's clients. And, you know, there's no loyalty. And, and a lot of people don't realize this, like, like you're mentioning before, like perfectly million dollar listing in New York. They think like, oh, they see all these lavish apartments and they get these deals so fast, like in an hour, you know, and they get all that commission It shows on the TV, $30,000, $50,000. But the reality is it doesn't really work like that. And when I first got into the business, I remember it took me six months to get my first deal. And and that was six months of me being broke and also working in New York City where I work. I live in New Jersey. So that's me spending money on the subway. That's me mm-hmm. driving into the city. That's me spending all this money and literally getting nothing in return for six months. And, you know... Once you get to that point, I remember like my, my client specifically, she was like, I don't want a broker fee. And I was like, okay, so you want me to work for you for free? <laughs> and, and she's like, she's like, no, but like, I don't want to pay a broker fee. Like that's, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to pay one month's rent for that. And, you know, as an agent, as someone that's working on behalf of a client, that's also, you know, working on commission, like, I understand where people are coming from, but this person happened to be financially stable and mm-hmm. I wasn't financially stable because this is my first deal. So, you know, people, people are always, stingy. this is a business that's very stingy because, you know, everyone wants a piece of the pie and nobody really mm-hmm. cares about other people. So yeah. I got that from working at the office because, you know, it's very a me, me, me mentality. Even when I first joined that office, it was like, okay, great. You're part of this team. Now, literally, like I didn't even see, sit in a team meeting room and I was like, okay. And 
I didn't really learn too much from the team. And, you know, we can talk more about that, you know, a little bit later. But, you know, it was almost like we were talking in the beginning of the segment where it was like, okay, now you go do your own thing. And, like, that's okay to, like, do things on your own and learn on your own. But if you're working with a team or you're working to, you know, improve yourself, you need other people to meet you halfway, not like just throw you out there, you know? And I feel like, unfortunately, that's what happens in not only in real estate, but also in the, in the corporate world too, you know? So it's definitely something that, you know, you and I definitely resonated with. And at least we like, we looked at each other and we're like, okay, it's not just me, you know? So that was, that was a important thing. You know, when you see other toxic behaviors, not only just from your own mentality, but also seeing it from other somebody else confirming like, yeah, this was something that, you know, was wrong. I, I remember it was my second week in the office and it was a team meeting and we were all in this meeting room. And I was like, because the whole atmosphere of the office was just very cold and everyone was just very unapproachable, especially certain members of our team. I remember coming into this meeting room where I just felt really intimidated by everyone on the team. And I didn't know, like I was a newbie. I was a newbie to real estate. I was a newbie to this job. So I didn't necessarily know the power dynamics between people or just the regular dynamics between people and how that worked. So you came in the room and I'm not going to lie. I was kind of scared of you at first. I was really scared because, (laughs) because Esther, the one who trained me, um, was like, okay, Moises is on the team. Like he's a real estate agent. You'll be working with him on the team. And I was like, oh, great. Another real estate agent on the team. He's probably going to be like really bossy and like mean to me. I'm like really cocky. (laughs) And then like you walked into the room and you're like, hey, Alyssa, like, so where are you from? And I'm like, oh, he's kind of young. Like he's kind of like, I think he's like my, like he looks like he's not too like much older than me. He like, seems like he just got out of college. And I was like, oh, I'm from here. And we kind of just started talking. And then you were like, so how are you liking it here? And like, I could just tell from your eyes that you were like, Alyssa, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you doing here? I was trying to give you that warning. I know. I know. You're like, Alyssa, what are you doing? Like, and even like in, in the inflection in your voice, you're like, so like, how, how are you liking it here? I'm like, oh my God. Like I can tell that he's just like, get the fuck out. Like, because leading up to the meeting, certain members of our team were giving me like a hard time on Slack. Like, Alyssa, do this, do that, like change this. And I was like, wait, but isn't this is how it's supposed to be? Like you said to do this and now you're telling me to do this. And I was like, this person told me to do this. And like, I feel like I'm wrong for it. Like, what do I do? And you're like, oh, just, just do whatever they want. Just do it. And I'm like, okay. So (laughs) I was like, kind of wondering, like, I can't mention any specifics because I'm not trying to defame anyone out here, but I, I was kind of wondering, am I the only person in the team who feels this way? But I want to touch upon the the topic of toxic work culture, especially in that job, because like I said, you and I both mentioned that the overall environment was just very competitive and it's like me, 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 me. And I definitely witnessed real estate agents doing some sleazy things to one another just to get clients to go with them and not the other. So hundred percent spill the tea on that Moises. Yeah. So like I, one of the first deals I did, um, it was like my first couple weeks of someone that I was taking out in Soho and I was showing her a lot of these apartments and we ended up going to this apartment in Tribeca with an agent that was representing the property that was also you know, part of our company that we were working for. And we get there and he's dressed all like, you know, Rico Suave. And, uh, you know, he's, he's talking up to my client. He was like, yeah, you know, 
I do all the apartment buildings here in Tribeca. My, my family are all real estate developers over here. So I have, I have a vast portfolio of uh, apartments if this one doesn't interest you. And I'm like looking at him like, you know, this is, this is my client, you know, and we go up to the apartment and he's showing us around and he's giving the same old smeal, you know, and, you know, he's, he was a lot older than me. And, you know, I'm, I was only, I think 22 at the time. And, you know, I, I put my foot forward and was like, Hey man, like, you know, this is my client, you know, and whether you're the best agent in Tribeca or the best agent in the world, like, you know, have some respect, you know, like we're in a business, we're at the same company and, you know, let me do my thing and you do your thing. Like let's work together. And I remember I was telling the team about it and they were like, you know what, let's just like charge the client and, um, you know, we'll just forget about him. Like, let's go to another place and we'll just be like, Oh, that's not a good deal. And, you know, end that story there. And I was like, you know, she liked the apartment, but like, I know that guy was mean, but I shouldn't do that. But they were saying like, look, you know, we're in this industry where, you know, people don't want to co-broke, meaning that we share the commission. And that was another huge thing too. He didn't want to share the commission. He's like, Oh, only if the commission is this amount. I'm like, what are you God? Like it has to be your way or the highway. Like we're trying to make the client happy at the end of the day. It's about the client. And that's the real big misconnect. Wow. Yeah. Like if you guys don't know, real estate agents don't get paid a salary. What you kill is what you eat. So like whatever you sell, that's the money that you get. It's not even the full amount of money that like you get, like you can, like you even explained this to me, like you can sell a house for a million dollars, but all that million dollars is not going to you. Like depending on the terms of your contract, you get a cut of that. And then other people get a certain percentage of that. And then the company that you're with gets a percent. Can we like explain how the cut works? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started, most agents, when they first start, they work on a 50-50 basis, meaning that, you know, whatever you make, let's say, for example, it's like $6,000 is the is the apartment that you're renting out. Usually you charge either a month or 15% of the rent. So, you know, once you rent out that apartment, the landlord gives you that 6000 you know, we're saying the month example gives you that 6,000 and then you bring it to your brokerage. They cut the check, they get 50% of it and then they give you 50% of it. So it's not even like you're getting the full amount. When I first, uh, you know, did my first deal, I did two deals at the same time and that worked great because like I was mentioning before, I was super broke and the amount of money I got from the commission was $6,200, 6,200. If I didn't, have to do the 50 50 co-broke with my brokerage i probably would have got somewhere around twelve thousand dollars what i should have got but i got half of that because of the 50 50 split and you know you work so hard for it and then you lose all that money and you're like what did i do all this work for you know and i remember my first deal like i said i got 6200 I felt like I was rich. I was like, okay, I almost made as much as my parents do in a month being pharmacist. And I remember the first thing I bought, I bought an Apple watch and I bought Gucci loafers. And that was probably the dumbest thing I ever did because Gucci I felt like loafers. I was on a roll. I bought Gucci loafers, these $800 oh Gucci loafers. Oh my God. You, I remember you telling that, me this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I felt like the shit. I was like, I deserve this because I walked so many miles and, I, 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 I was blood, sweat and tears trying to get this deals done. And I got them done, even though the clients didn't want to pay me, but they ended up paying me anyway. <laughs> and, um, I didn't make another deal for another three months. So that goes to show you spend your money wisely. <laughs> yeah. And this is like something that I talked about just because you think you've made it to the top or you've won it all doesn't mean that you can't lose it. But then to your point where it took you another three months. So I didn't, I didn't do another deal like that for three months, meaning that it wasn't that caliber of money that I made. 
So I made my first deal. Like right. I said, I did two deals at the same time. I made $6,200. I was like, wow, like if I can keep making 6000 each month, like all I got to do is rent these two apartments, one for 3000 another one for like, you know, 6000 And uh, it didn't come into fruition. You know, I worked really hard. And, uh, you know, it, like I was mentioning before, sometimes it's hard to be a real estate agent in the city because, you know, a lot of places you can go to now, especially a lot of the buildings, they offer no fee to begin with. And you can go on things like StreetEasy or Zillow, and you don't really need a real estate agent. When I first joined, you know, I did a lot of my stuff on Naked Apartments, Craigslist. And, um, you know, we were able to like manipulate the listings around to make it seem like it wasn't on the MLS. Well, New York doesn't have an MLS, but like on street easy. Mm-hmm. And that's how we would get our deals. Like when I first joined, like I mentioned, they gave me a sheet of no fee buildings that I could advertise. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to say like a couple months later, I want to say like, like I joined in July and then in December, my company, they decided to make the whole office that we had our own like unique team. And, um, I remember they were having a seminar there and they were talking about naked apartments and they're saying, yeah, you know, if you spend like $200 a month, they'll give you 200 listings that you can advertise. And that's how you can really meet clients. When I first joined, no one told me about naked apartments or anything like that. So the only thing I used was my company's platform. So this one guy was like, yeah, you know, I started and I posted on naked apartments the day I got my license and I started getting deals like that. And like, no one told me about that. So I felt lost. I was like, wow. Yeah. Instead of that huge gap of me not making money, like if I had known that, if someone had shared that with me, instead of like being stingy and not wanting to help me, wanted to work on their own deals, yeah. then maybe like I could have like not had that little hiatus and I could have been on the same page as everyone else. But again, this business is a business where everyone's more concerned about themselves and not really so much about other people. Yeah, you're really swimming with the sharks. And I feel like there are certain personality types that thrive really well in that industry and that type of work culture, like specifically narcissists. A hundred percent. Yeah, like I feel like you can vouch for this, but I feel like that whole office that we were just in, there definitely were narcissistic personality types. A hundred percent. I I think like, you know, real estate agents are a combination of American psycho and like, you know, the regular, <laughs> you know, happy, cheerful person. Cause like when you get into the business, you're like, wow, like, this is awesome. I'm your own boss. I can right. do this. I can do that. But then when the money doesn't start flowing in and mm-hmm. where you're competing with everyone, then things start to go off the wall, <laughs> you yeah. know, so to speak. And, and it's tough. Like, a lot of the biggest struggles that I've had as an agent is other agents not wanting to co-broke. Like I mentioned before, and not wanting to yeah, share the yeah. commission. I literally had agents, like I would text them like, hey, I have a client interested in seeing this apartment at such and such time. Can we come see it? And they're like, no, nope, can't do it. Or like they wouldn't reply back. And the reason why they don't is because they don't want to share the commission. Mm-hmm. And that's the big disconnect with real estate. And that's almost sort of the reason why I got out too, because it's it's really like, it's like a mind game, you know what I'm saying? Especially on it the is. rental side. It's like nobody wants to work with any uh, with nobody else. And like I get it because you want to make the full commission because you're working on a split. You know, if an apartment's 15, like let's say for example, an apartment's $1,800 and you're working on a 50-50 split. It's like you work for nothing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So like I get that, but you know, it has to be an even playing field, you know? And I, I feel like you, you understood that and you're like, okay, I need to, you know, back away and maybe this is not for me, you know? Like what was your, what was your initial thought of joining the team of, like, I know you're mentioning how you were interested in real estate, but like, what was your initial thought of how everything was going to go down? Like, do you think like going into it, like, maybe I want to get my real estate license. Maybe I want to see like, you know, what happens with this. Yeah. So like I said, I came into real estate with this preconceived notion that, oh, like real estate is a really lucrative path and I'm going to make easy money off of that, like million dollar listing type thing. And (laughs) I applied for the position, interviewed for the position. I was the administrative marketing assistant. That was the title. That was the position. It was easy to get because our girl Esther, she basically hooked me up with the job since she was leaving. 
But during the interview process, I was under the impression and I was kind of promised that, you know, once you start working in this position, as time goes on, like we would like to consider you becoming like an, a real estate agent to join the team. Like how open are you to becoming a real estate agent? And at that time, like I knew nothing about real estate whatsoever. I was just like a college kid who wanted another job to put on my resume. And I thought, Ooh, real estate, Ooh, administrative marketing assistant. Like this was not even an internship. This was a job position. And I was like, this is going to look so good on my resume. I'm being promised all these things. I'm going to, the people on my team are going to train me and give me all the resources and studying materials to become a real estate agent. And so I can pass my real estate license exam. And so I was like, wow, this is like, this is going to look so impressive. Like I'm definitely going forward in my career path. And when I finally started working, like it was just hell. I mean, the work was a lot. I remember coming into the office um, some days as early as 8.30 a.m. and then working all the way until 7.30 at night. And I remember this. there was a specific day where that happened, where I was trying to find all these client files and information and team members on my team weren't willing to help me. They were just kind of like figure it out. And they've even had so many talks with me where it's like, you know, we don't have the time to address your questions because we're just so wrapped up and carried away with our own business. Like we don't have the time to show you everything. Like there are certain things that you have to be able to figure out on your own, not only in this job, but in other jobs. So you have to be resourceful and go out of your way to make things happen. And so like, I've always carried this mentality with me that if something is not working, if I'm not finding what I'm supposed to be finding in a job, then I'm doing something wrong. And that I've carried that baggage with me to positions after that. But like you said, like from talking to you throughout my duration at that job, I was just, I quickly figured out that real estate was just not, is just not the bee's knees. I mean, it's a cutthroat culture. There were so many effed up things that happened. See, like from seeing you being dicked out and excluded from deals and then like witnessing all the unfair treatment of just like the people on our team, like me being like treated so unfairly. That was like the worst job I've ever had, (laughs) like the worst. Yeah, no, definitely. It was it was definitely something interesting. So like a little background before I joined that company, I was working on another real estate agent agency. And like I mentioned, like I started by myself. And then when my company decided to merge to make a really big team, I started working with other people and the other agents were really great. I learned a lot from them and I really valued that because that's what really made me want to, you know, continue forward with this. It made me not doubt like, oh, is this a bad decision? And I had a lot of agents around my age too. So it was, it was good to make friends and you know, it felt like I wasn't the only one in this, in this industry by myself. But, but the thing I did realize was when I, I got one of my first biggest deals at that company. Um, again, nobody really wanted to help me. Nobody really wanted to mentor me. You know, I asked for help on certain things that I couldn't do myself, meaning that mm-hmm. I didn't have the knowledge to, you know, finish this deal because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was freshly like not even a year yet being a real estate agent and i had some agents in the office that were helping me but the manager there just he didn't really care to help me and you know when things were going under the water with the deal he kind of pushed it aside and was like i don't want to deal with it and i that really made me upset and i was like you know what i want to go somewhere where someone's going to teach me something and that's when i decided to look at the other company that i joined you know the one that we were working at and I went in there thinking that, you know, I really want to learn from someone. 
and really see like how I could excel in my own business. Cause I was doing rentals at that time and I wanted to, you know, go into sales. Like most real estate agents, they don't want to stay in rentals forever because it's a, it's a total burn. And, um, I decided to go to that company. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the segments, like I got there and it was like, okay, great. You're here. Go do your thing. And, you know, sometimes you have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you have to go do your own thing and learn on your own. But like I mentioned before earlier, you know, in a business where you're advising someone to spend probably the most significant amount of money in their life, whether it be a $3,000 rental or, you know, a $2 million apartment, you need someone that, you know, knows what they're doing and knows the knowledge. And all I wanted to do was really like, you know, have someone be there with me and just learn the ropes with, but I was just thrown in there and I felt, I want to say underappreciated. And I feel like my bad thing was like, I never really vocalized it. And the reason why I didn't was because I felt like so bad. I felt that, you know, like they didn't care or, you know, people in this business in general don't really have empathy for that. It's like, you got to learn on your own. You know, and, you know, to extent, like I was saying, you have to, but you also, you need teamwork too. That's the whole part of a team. And unfortunately, like when that all fizzled out, that was a direct result of nobody really communicating well. And, you know, everyone had their faults on their own, you know, like individual ones on my own was like I was mentioning, I didn't vocalize my concerns or Mm -hmm. when I did, it was a little bit too late where everything fizzled away, but that's really the communication breakdown of what happened and how we ended up, you know, eventually leaving the company. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. And like to your point where you didn't feel comfortable even vocalizing what you felt was wrong, like that, that's not even something that you can blame yourself for because it just goes to show how unapproachable and how toxic our team dynamic truly was. And like, I know for a fact that the other members of our team, like I know for a fact that they felt that they were being treated unfairly and just the overall culture was toxic. Like there's no other way to describe this dynamic other than toxic. And that's what it really was. And everyone just felt like they couldn't vocalize their struggles. And it takes a great deal of bravery and courage to call people out on their BS as it's happening. And I remember like being in that job, I was like, okay, am I just going to sit through my job and put my head down and just power through it while they make certain attacks on me or while they treat me unfairly? Or like, am I going to say something like how much disrespect will I tolerate at this job? Like how much will I actually allow? Because if I were just give them all this leeway and let them treat me how uh, however they wanted like I'd be doing myself an injustice and so I'm glad that I spoke up when needed and that's the thing like when you do speak up and when you do vocalize and call people out on their bullshit like that will backfire on you. And that's just something that's, it's a consequence that you need to have in mind. Yeah, it was definitely hard. I was definitely met with bullying as a result of calling people out on our team. Like I remember there was this one meeting, um, I stepped out of the meeting room and all of you guys were in the meeting. Um, I stepped out to like run and get a pen from the office and then come back. And one of the members on our team were just like, all right, everyone, when Alyssa gets back in the room, let's all just bully her and make her feel really bad for her saying no to doing this one thing for us. 
And and then Oh um, my god, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, you were the one that told me that. You were the one that told me that. Had you not told me that, I, I would have never known. I did. Yeah. And like did, yeah. before that incident even happened, the, our coworker and I, the coworker who said let's bully Alyssa, were having like a little bicker. Like he was like, oh, you need to show up to this event because it's not fair how everyone on this team is taking out of their afternoon to show up and be there for one another. And I'm like, I, I know, but I'm sorry, but I had other plans and, you know, like I want to balance my personal life and work life. Like I spend a lot of time in the office with you guys during the weekdays and it's the weekend. Like I want to see my friend. And he was kind of going back and forth with me about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And I walked out of the room and Matt was there, like his jaw dropped. And then we got into the meeting where he was like, all right, let's bully Alyssa. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I have to say, you have so much balls. (laughs) Yeah, bro. Oh, my God. And the way I got paid, the way I got paid was a debacle. Like, I don't even want to get into that because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to spill too much Like, I remember telling you, too. Yeah, like I don't want to spill too much tea, yeah, but no, like I had 100%. to remind I had to remind my boss or like our bosses to pay me like through Google Calendar invites. Like it was <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like I don't know how I ended up in that type of situation. Like it was just like you have to play your card like in a toxic work environment, you have to play your cards right. Like there are so many different power dynamics at play and like office politics that if you're going to open your mouth, like you have to be willing to have to get that pushback. Like, oh, it was trash. <laughs> no, yeah, that, those are times we look back. It's so funny that you mentioned that that story because I completely forgot about it. But everything up to that point was like heading up towards a plateau where everything was like, you know, fine and dandy. And then when it got to that point, it was like, OK, either party really knew something was going on, something wasn't working together. And then I feel like after that point, honestly, that's like when things started going even more downhill. I don't want to say like downhill, but, you know, it came to the point where we realized that, you know, something's got to change here. And that was the whole bad thing about that dynamic. You know, like everything I feel like maybe originally wasn't good intentions, but the problem is, is that when you are at a work environment, where people don't really see everyone as equals or not even as equals, but like when everyone just thinks about, okay, me, 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 they forget about everyone else that also helps them makes the business. And that's really, you know, the key to being a good team is that everyone works together. You can't just, for example, like you just throw you under the bus and be like, Oh, you're mean. If you don't do this, like you're vocalizing, like that's the whole point of being, in a, in a relationship, being like in a work relationship, you yeah. know, having these discussions with other teammates, colleagues and telling them how you feel. But we couldn't even have civil, you know, discourse because everything was back and forth and everyone was like, oh, it's just about me or it's just about, you know, whoever is in charge. And that's really what was, what was wrong with the whole team dynamic. Yeah. And I felt like because I opened my mouth, it stirred up more animosity and tension. Like you definitely felt that, right? Like towards yeah, the end 100%. of yeah, like you felt that towards the end of my era <laughs> there in the office. <laughs> yeah, your era, your era. No, for real. Like I definitely felt it, and like I remember like telling you, like you know, like kill him with kindness, you know. Yes, um, but. You- you were smart enough to stick up for yourself because not a lot of people would do it. I know I definitely wouldn't <laughs> do exactly what you've done, but in a sense, it's good that you really stood up for yourself. And I'm sure you've taken that into your other, you know, job positions as well, you know, going forward after that job. So mm-hmm. talk about how you doing that really empowered you to see, you know, your value as you know, as a worker, as somebody 
in the workforce now that you graduated from college that now you know i'm not gonna take any bs like how did that experience really like (sighs) push you forward well, I feel like because, like, you guys, I can't, like, it's words really cannot describe how ridiculous and crazy and outrageous that job really was. Like, it was crazy, just so freaking crazy and just mad. How did it empower me? There were just so many instances where my patience was being tested. And like I said, it's like, how much disrespect can I take? Like, I know that if I let certain things slide, that is going to send out a message to other people on the team that, oh, Alyssa is easily walked all over. So I want to say because that job was very demanding and outrageous. It really did bring a lot out in me. And I mean, I had been mistreated in previous positions before that job. And I would not say anything because my job was at stake. But I just said to myself, like, I'm not going to take bullshit. Like, this is just, this is ridiculous. And like, you and I were talking about like, how this is not going to be my, like, the end all be all of my career. Like I'm still, I was still in college, um, when I was at this job. So I was like, uh, you know what? I, I can't like, I would be doing myself an injustice if I just let things slide. And so how that's impacted me moving on from that, I feel more comfortable setting boundaries within the professional space and even in my own personal life with friends that I'm not really afraid to vocalize what I'm comfortable with, what I don't like, what makes me, you know, mad or feel a certain type of way. And because I got a lot of backlash and unfair mistreatment as a result of vocalizing my feelings at that position. Like I just got so desensitized to the consequences that it's like, okay, like if I could survive that, if I could survive the bullying, like I could kind of survive anywhere else. So that's how I viewed it. And like so far, all the other positions I've been in, none of them were nearly as bad as like the job at the office that we both knew. What would your advice be for someone that, you know, is going through a situation like that? And they are, I know, I remember when you were first thinking about it, you were in your head about it and saying like, Oh, you know, this is going to look bad on my resume. And yeah. you know, now we joke about it. You know what I'm saying? Like I what's know, your advice I know, to someone I know, I know. who's in a job like that? And they're like, I don't want it to look bad on my resume that I left or I was only there for a short duration of time. And now looking back at it, it's like you learned a lot from the experience. You know, you could definitely say you have real estate experience because you did a lot of things uh, in a short amount of time. But yeah. what would you say to someone that was in a situation like that who is scared to speak up? Like someone that wasn't as vocal as you, like how could you tell someone to, you know, how they could vocalize their opinions to make sure that they don't get, you know, antagonized like this at a work job? Yeah, well, it's definitely not easy at all. Again, you have to play your cards right and you have to evaluate your risk very carefully. You have to realize if you're going to vocalize anything or if you're going to speak up against anything, you have to anticipate the consequences that will follow. But on the other hand, you also have to evaluate what is more important to you. Like, yes, if you do speak up and say something against your managers, your the higher ups, like again, there's so many power dynamics at play. Your position is at stake. You may very well lose your job or you you're going to lose something. But I think your priority should be your your mental wellness and your your just mental clarity because 
if your mental clarity and your peace is compromised, your work will not be good. And because of that, the overall team dynamic will not thrive. And I wasn't really surprised when the whole team fell apart after I left. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, again, you have to evaluate your risk and evaluate what is more important to you. Like, I don't know if I could give good advice for this because it's just different for it's not an easy situation to be in and like there were other people on the team who felt really bad and they wanted to say something but they couldn't and even at times I was just like should I do this should I not like will this make me look bad but I think like what it all came down to was just like, I had a fuck it mentality. Like I was like, fuck it. Like, you know what, Moises, you're right. This is not going to be the end all be all. And I think also having that mentality, like, fuck it, this is not going to be the end all be all is really helpful in doing that because, you know, certain situations in life are temporary. And if you don't want to be, in that work environment forever, then you definitely don't have to be. And like, it's your call. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And, you know, like I've talked to you privately, I think it's awesome to see how much you've grown from that experience. And, you know, you came into the job, you know, not really, I don't want to say like as timid, but you're a little timid first. I was, you know, because you don't really know how the business is. Like, I I don't want to say it was your first big boy job but like it was like in a corporate setting that you're not acclimated with you know and you really gave it your 100 percent. i could definitely vouch for you and say that you gave it your 100 percent when it came to work and you know when you realized that this was something that wasn't for you or you felt mistreated in any such way you know i i'm very proud that you were able to you know vocalize and really say like you know this isn't right and you know i'm not gonna tolerate this and i think it's a good example for everyone because you know a job is just a job it doesn't define you you know especially exactly. when we're so young too like we'll have loads of jobs from now until 30 you know what i'm saying yeah and the fact that you were able to like really take a step back and be like you know i don't need this like i can just you know go somewhere else and feel treated and feel valued as as a as a you know, employee, like you did at discovery, like you mentioned, um, I think that's great, you know, and, and that's how people should view it. You know, it's not like you shouldn't feel like you're stuck, you know, and, and that's something that we really learned from you and I both, I felt like, you know, if I leave, that's it. Like, like almost like going back to like when I was uh, in school, I was like, you know, this is going to be over, but you know, I look back at it now and, and it's good because also something that people have to look at too, is that if that's not, if you look at how other people work or like how your employees are, my dog's like, look at me. <laughs> she, you know, you have to really, you know, see yourself and be like, you know, do I want to end up like them? Do I want to, you know, have a job like that? Is that the work life balance that I want? And that's something that's really important that I think each individual has to look into and be like, you know, is this, is this going to work out for me? Yes or no. You know? Yeah. So Moises, do you have any regrets? Do I have any regrets? Yeah. So I definitely, you know, real estate, like I mentioned before, is definitely a hard cutthroat business. Uh, Like you mentioned, I thought maybe it'd be a little bit easier, like you see on TV, but it's definitely not. The things that I loved about real estate was obviously working with people. I loved meeting all different sorts of people. And really getting to know, you know, their tastes, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what they valued in a neighborhood. You know, sometimes you walk around New York and, you know, you only think like Central Park or all the ritzy, glamorous neighborhoods are like where everyone wants to live. But then you meet like someone that's like, I love this particular neighborhood because I love the restaurant over here. I love my neighbors because they're so sweet. And like you meet a lot of different people in New York. It's not all like the fancy rich people like my favorite clients are people around our age that really didn't care about value things and 
they love the sentimental aspect of the neighborhood of the culture that it brings. And I love that aspect of real estate, really connecting with people. One thing that I didn't like about real estate, as I've mentioned multiple times already in this podcast is the disconnect between uh, a customer and the agent itself, meaning in the transaction wise, at least for rentals for buy for buying is a little bit different because you don't really work on commission when you're a buyer's agent, you're helping a client pick out a house and then you negotiate on their behalf. And it's, I would say it's more for a seller's agent who is working, you know, with a client determining you know, how much money they're going to, that seller is going to pay them. But on the rental side, because I've done more rentals than I've done anything on sales is, you know, there's a huge disconnect of, okay, how much money you're going to give the agent, you know, and that really breaks deals all the times. Yeah. I had so many clients that I had such great relationships with, showed them the best apartments, but it came down to that. I don't want to pay that fee or, can we go a little bit down on that? And like I mentioned before, it's like, you know, that's my salary. You know, I don't have uh, a paycheck every two weeks. You know, I'm working on commission and I lost lots of deals because I, I wanted to, you know, help my client out. Meaning that not that I lost a deal, but I lost a commission I should have earned. Mm-hmm. And I gave it up because I wanted the best deal for that client. And Mm-hmm. You know, that was the real big disconnect because yes, I was helping my client. They found a great place, but at the same time too, I had to give up a part of my hard work and my commission because people didn't value my time because they felt yeah. like, okay, yeah, they'll, they'll open the door for me, but then that's it. I don't want to pay them. I literally had a client that was like, Hey, we sent you the link to the apartment. Yes, you showed it, but we shouldn't find, we shouldn't pay the broker fee because we showed you the listing and I was like, but I got you in the door. You wouldn't exactly. have gotten into the apartment without me, you know, but they ended up paying the broker fee anyway, but it goes to show you there's a huge disconnect on that side because it is a money thing. New York city is the most expensive place to rent. You know, not only when you move into an apartment, you pay first month's rent, last month's rent and security. Sometimes for a little shitty $3,000 apartment, Alyssa, you could be paying $7,000 up front, $7,000. You know what I'm saying? So for like, an apartment the aspect. size of a shoebox. Exactly. I literally, I remember Alyssa, I should you not. I showed someone an apartment that was 350 square feet, literally no, no like outside light or anything. It was like a little small studio and a guy came in and he fell in love with it. And I was like, <laughs> Bro, for $2,800, for $2,800, I'm sure you can go to, you could rent a mansion in Texas for $2,800, Word. you know, and that's just, it goes to speak the volumes of how powerful New York City is and, and how much people were, are willing to pay for it just so they could sit there and take Instagram pictures and be like, I live in New York City, bitches. <laughs> Yeah. But you know what I want to say? Like, even though there was a lot of animosity between certain members of the team, because we all struggled a lot, we formed really special bonds and friendships with like with one another and like kind of had a sense of solidarity whenever someone was treated really unfairly. And so, like, shout out, like, I just want to shout out our people, like, Moak, Schmatt, Esther. We have like, to shout you know, out. Yeah, we have to shout them out. Like, it's only fair. But they really worked very hard on the team, too. And I feel like their work was really undervalued and underappreciated. And their work was amazing. Like, quite frankly, without them my job oof like I would have been in shambles like I was already in shambles like every single day like and you were too like at the end of each day like we just saw like in each other's eyes that our energy was just so shot but without them like I don't know how it would have functioned yeah I I agree you guys definitely made the work environment more tolerable and it was great to have like a group of people yeah. our age, you know, so we all got each other's different perspectives. Yeah. And, you know, I, I value those times. Like I miss it. Like I remember when it was just us in the office and we'd all hang out together I know. and all talk, you know, and 
those those are those are definitely Susio squad. You know, good times. Susio squad, yeah. Those are those are names. Susio squad. Yes, yes. But like, it was great because like we all were able to bond together over the mistreatment (laughs) like and like we would go out to lunch with one another we would go out to drinks with one another like bro do you remember on I think it was like it was on someone's last day we all got so drunk we were holding hands and walking down fifth avenue oh my god I remember like we had great times together and like we still text each other in a group chat and like keep in touch with one another yeah and hopefully we we still do you know we definitely formed a bond you know that summer and you know we'll always have these stories to look back at and be like what happened i know (laughs) like we even roast (laughs) certain team members in the group chat it's it's like it's so funny but i would say that was the positive takeaway from the whole experience is that like i was able to make friends and still keep in touch with them almost two years later Moise like two years since this whole that sounds crazy think about two years Can you imagine that it will be <laughs> yeah alrighty Moises what is next for you what is next for me so yeah like I mentioned uh you know I was a real estate agent I officially stopped being an agent in I want to say October of 2019. And that was the hardest. That was honestly the hardest day. I remember I was texting my girlfriend and I was so emotional and I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do this. And she was like, shut up, just do it. And it just came to a point where it's like, I looked at my life and I was like, do I really want my life to be running around and going here, going there and you know, I feel like real estate's a great career for someone who is single but doesn't really need priorities like family or children and stuff like that. And I really looked at myself and was like, you know, this is this is not going to work out for me. Like, I want to do something else. And I decided to ultimately, you know, walk away from it. And when I did, I felt really sad and I was like, this is something I really wanted. And, you know, I was, I was looking forward for it. And when I decided to leave, you know, there was a little, I want to say like a month where I was a little feeling depressed. Uh, and I needed to get a job, obviously, because I had just left. And I got a job at Amazon working at Whole Foods. And I did that for like a month. And then luckily I got another job working in facility services and commercial real estate. So that kind of piggybacked on what I was doing previously, like in real estate, instead of selling offices or renting offices, I mean, instead of (laughs) renting apartments or selling apartments, uh, we were renting office space. So that kind of piggybacked on like my career as a real estate agent. So I was able to utilize my skills doing that. Um, But right now, because of the pandemic, like you mentioned, I am back in school because, you know, times are crazy and real estate is, uh, is a little bit tricky now in the city. A lot of people are leaving and I don't know if you've been in the city, uh, you know, recently, but I go in every day now and it's, it's really dead. It's, it's a completely different city and anyone who tells you it's not is, is just lying to you. No. Yeah. I, I was in New York like two weeks ago and like the entire city is a ghost town and like it's so sad but to your point where you were kind of sad leaving like this chapter of your life like where you came into this career thinking like oh real estate like I'm gonna be so successful at this I'm gonna you know pop off in my career and then for that to prove to be wrong is like it was like I could empathize with the disappointment because I came in with the same mentality and like I was let down. But I guess the lesson in that is things coming to an end, there is also opportunity for new beginnings. Yeah, no, hundred percent. The way I look at it too, that that's a great that's a great um phrase to use. 
in life, I feel like everything happens for a reason. Yes. And maybe one day I will do something, you know, with real estate again. But for right now, I feel like that journey of me going through, you know, our company, my previous company, just my, my whole dynamic of being a real estate agent in general was something that's building me up towards my next, you know, career in life or my next, you know, uh, you know, outcome that that's going to determine, you know, who I'm going to be and the man I want to be going forward. So it's definitely something that I will look at and be like, you know, this is not a missed opportunity. This is an opportunity Mm -hmm. that I took and now I'm going to run with it and, you know, learn from my mistakes and hit the ground running again. I love that for you. Like you deserve it. Like I've seen you bust your ass like at the office and like I'm like I'm just excited for what the future holds for you but you heard it here first guys thank you guys so much for listening check out Moises on Instagram do you want to give the plug okay so my Instagram uh name is Mo Chaya yeah you heard it right Mo Chaya it's (laughs) M-O-E-C-H-A-Y-A And my page is public, so you can definitely go follow me. And I want to thank Alyssa so much for letting me jump on this podcast. And it was great speaking to you. We have to catch up for sure. I know. I miss you so much. Like, it's been so long. This was a lot of fun. And hopefully, once the pandemic subsides, you, me, and the rest of the team that we clicked so well with can like actually hang out. Um, But thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you in the next upcoming episode. Bye guys. Bye guys.